This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. On today's show, Harrison Fagan of Silver Screen and Roll, the Laker blog for SB Nation, joined the show. Harrison, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Evan. I'm, uh, this is uh, this is going to be fun. You picked an amazing day, completely accidentally. You picked an amazing day to uh, to have me on, or maybe I don't know. Did you foresee the Anthony Davis stuff coming? Maybe. Um, yeah, this is <laughs> had this plan for about a week now. Uh, good good timing to have a podcast for the Lakers. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, like we had to record an emergency one today for our fight, so you planned out better than we did. <laughs> Uh, some big news in the NBA today, as we just alluded to, as Pelicans forward Anthony Davis. Uh, Laker fans know all about him. A big target for the for the team. Uh, requested a trade from the organization, saying that he will not sign a contract extension this summer in hopes for a chance to win championships with another team. Davis is obviously linked to the Lakers because he and LeBron share the same agent, LeBron's uh, high school friend, Rich Paul. Uh, Brad Turner of the LA Times reported this morning that if the Lakers want AD, they need to start with Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Yvette Zubats, and a first-round pick. Harrison, what are your thoughts on a potential trade? So if that was the potential trade offer, that would honestly, like I'm as high on Lonzo Ball as anyone, and that's like that's still a steal for the Lakers. Yeah. Like to, to get, if they could get Anthony Davis for anything close to that price, like that's actually what the Pelicans are asking for, and not just like the starting point of negotiations or like you know like the bare minimum, and they want to talk about things or whatever. Like the Lakers should pull the trigger on that yesterday. Like that's uh, like Lonzo, I think could end up being a really good NBA player. I like I feel pretty good about Kuz. Like Zubats, I think is better than people realize so far and he's only 21 like a first round pick is not going to be that great if you have anthony davis on your team and so like that's that's an amazing package uh, even still like even as much as i think that those guys are promising i think that that would be a seal of a deal for the lakers and like my thing is just if you have the chance to pair up anthony davis and lebron you have to do whatever it takes to make that happen like if you have to trade like if you have to trade like Lonzo ball kyle kuzma brandon ingram josh hart avitza zubas a, fir- a couple first round picks, the Lakers new training facility in El Segundo, like the Shaq statue outside the arena, like everything that's not nailed down, you throw that at Anthony Davis because in basketball, like it's only, you can only have five players on the floor at once. So anytime you can put two legitimate superstars, two guys that have claimed to be probably top five, if not like top, nah, probably not top three necessarily, but definitely two top five players in the NBA when they're rolling on the floor together and on the same team, like you figure the other stuff out later as far as filling in the margins. And if the Lakers made a deal for Davis now, unless they were taking back bad money from the Pelicans in return, which is possible, but if they they aren't taking back a bad contract or like some horrendous contract also in some cap space filled this summer, and it's not going to be enough to to sign the full max, but you can still go get some players this summer and have some room to go do some stuff. If you go and trade for Anthony Davis, 
guys that were going to be the long-term money that people were kind of projecting you to have on the books anyway. So, like, I, I just think this is this is something the Lakers have to get done. They need to try and get it done before the February trade deadline, the February 7th trade deadline, because the Boston Celtics can't really get into the bidding until this summer because they already have Kyrie Irving on their team, and he's on a so-called Rose Rule extension, which you can't have two of those players on, the, on your team at the same time. Davis is also on that type of extension, so until until Kyrie, you know, renegotiate either resigns or is off the books this summer or is on a resigns on a new deal, the Celtics can't make a deal for Davis unless Kyrie is included in it in some way and leaving their team. And so, like the Knicks, obviously want to get involved, but the problem for them is that their first round pick is a lot more valuable when, or at least, is a lot something that you're a lot more willing to trade for in June because it's going to be a lot worse than it would be if the Pel- if the Knicks played the rest of the season with Anthony Davis, and you're going to know exactly what draft slot it's going to be. So the Lakers' two biggest competitors for a Davis deal, at least that we've heard about so far, are kind of hamstrung right now. And so if you're the Lakers, then you got to try and get this done now you can and I, I think like you know I think they're going to try and do it I don't I don't know that it's going to happen but I think that we're going to see a lot more rumors about it over the next like 10 days or so and that makes me think of when the Paul George trade out now nobody expected the Thunder be in it um, but that was a quite a weak package and you talked about how uh, the Lonzo Kuzma Zubats deal uh, take that in a heartbeat yeah um, I, you got to do whatever it takes to make it happen I don't think that uh, any team Maybe the Nuggets, but the Warriors can really uh, – I don't think any team can beat us in a seven-game series in the playoffs with LeBron on the roster. Um, but maybe, you know, I'm sure you've had a lot of mentions in your uh, on your Twitter about Luke Walton maybe being fired. If they don't have a bench, you know, somebody who likes to play their starters the entire game, Tom Thidwell is out there. <laughs> yeah, I I can't imagine that that's going to be the route the Lakers are going to go. I think that they're going to go with someone who's like a LeBron guy. We're going to end up with a coach that's like pretty close and has a good relationship with him. That's usually how these things go. When a LeBron coach gets fired, they bring in a guy who LeBron has a better relationship with. And so I think that we might like the, the guy that is an interesting name that I've talked to people, not, not, not sourcing, but just people like friends or media people or whatever about is uh, Alvin Jen would be, I think, a really interesting hire because of his relationship with Davis and that he's generally so well regarded around the league. Like that would be an interesting candidate. Like I don't want to, I don't want to start acting like Luke is a hundred percent for sure done this season. Like maybe they make a playoff run and that saves his job for another year. It seems like Jeannie's pretty behind him, but at the same time, it's hard to not kind of think that the writing is kind of already on the wall as far as Luke goes and that he's going to be out at the end of this year. Cause it's just, it's never seemed like he's magic sky. LeBron has never come to any like full throated defense of him when there's been rumors about his job or anything. And like LeBron doesn't have to do that. That doesn't mean that he doesn't like Luke, but like the fact that he could quash a lot of this stuff that's out there and the speculation just by talking and that he hasn't like kind of speaks on some level to me. Yeah. Um, well, Stephen A. Smith had the report today that the Lakers have their sight on a coach, but he's not available right now. Um, that could very well be Alvin Gentry, but I don't really trust much of Stephen A.'s comments. 
Um, you got to take it with a grain of salt sometimes. Um, you know, I, I think Stephen A. Like clearly, he's a guy that like when he walks into a locker room, like all the players know him. They all talk to him. They're all friendly with him. Like he, like because I've seen him work a locker room before. These guys know him and they're friendly with him. But like he also is an opinionist, and so sometimes he says things. Uh, there's like a blurred line there to me. Um, another guy that might make sense is uh, David Fisdale with the Knicks, but I don't know how long his contract is, but him and LeBron have a strong relationship dating back to the Miami days. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with Luke. I, I like Luke, but, you know, as well as I do, the rotations are sometimes frustrating. Um, choosing KCP to shoot game-winning three-pointers can be a little bit stressful. Well, to be fair, KCP, uh, Luke was not coaching that game against the Rockets. Uh, Luke had already been thrown out of that game against the Rockets. So that was a, that was a Brian Shaw call. Well, last year, there was a few times where KCP shot at uh, the three-pointer, too. I remember against the Warriors, he pulled up. Um, several other times, they chose uh, Pope to be the three-point That's shooters. true. But um, I, I've liked Luke. a uh, fan favorite with the Lakers when he played for the team. Um, but it just—I don't think he's—he's t- not ready for it yet to be a playoff-winning coach. I think he was ready for the team without LeBron, learning with the young guys. But I don't think he's ready for a championship-caliber winning team. Would you agree on? That? Yeah, I think he shot himself. Yeah, I think he shot himself in the foot a little bit with not hiring a more experienced staff and instead going with guys that he was close with and had more experience with. And you know, like they're—they're good things and bad things about that. The good things are that you're going to have a good working relationship with all those people because like you're all in the trenches together. You all came up together. You all know each other, but at the same time, and like we've seen some of the benefits of that and like how good their defense has been. I think Luke has shown himself to be a pretty solid defensive coach, but at the same time, like their lack of growth in terms of offensive system and every single year, like being like, all right, well, we're not going to focus on offense at all in training camp. We're going to focus on defense. Yeah. It's paid off in the sense that the Lakers have played really good defense for the most part like you know both of these last two seasons better than most people projected for them but at the same time like their offense has been kind of embarrassing sometimes and like some of that has to go on the coach even if it's his offensive coordinator he picked that guy and so if he wasn't willing to bring in somebody else like I know that obviously like Murmies, uh, Jesse Murmies is his friend but like you have to be looking out for the team and everything. And if like, if the offense just isn't working out, you know, maybe that's how he ultimately saves his job this year. If he like hires some staffers, the magic or uh, Rob Polinka want, but yeah, I, I do not anticipate him coaching the team next year. That's not forced or anything. I just like, I don't, I think the writing's kind of on the wall. Yeah. And, um, another thing is that they don't have a shooting coach was, which some fans have been stressed about because the lack of three-point shooting on the roster. But I liked whenever uh, B. Scott was the coach, the dreaded days when we were winning 17, 21 games. Oh, I don't even like to talk about yeah. that. Uh, but they brought in Tracy Murray, a former uh, Laker and UCLA Bruin. I had him on my, pod- had him on my podcast, and that was um, a good talk. But I think they just need a, someone else, to, like you said, add to the staff to help with stuff they're not necessarily skilled at. It's not their best thing. But our, Luke has been a really nice guy. I met him in Vegas when I went to the summer league. And um, But it just it seems like, like you said, it, it doesn't uh, seem like he's going to be the coach next year. And you talked about earlier um, of the young core. You are talking about Lonzo, how you'd like to keep Zoe. Is that, If you had to pick between anyone, would it be Zoe to keep on the roster throughout a trade? <laughs> 
Yeah, this is actually, this is my opportunity to plug my podcast. So a- Anthony, uh, my co-host and I are going to talk about on the Silver Screen and Roll. You can search Silver Screen and Roll on iTunes. We're going to talk about this pretty in depth today. We just recorded about an hour episode, but yes, Lonzo is the guy that if I could keep, if the Lakers could keep one of them, that is the one that I would think that they should try and keep because I am like, I'm the highest on him and I don't think that it's like particularly close. Yeah. I, I love Lonzo. I, I actually just wrote an article about, uh, how you should keep Lonzo instead of the other guys. I love Ingram. I love Kuzma. But uh, Kuzma will give you 10 points. Kuzma and Ingram will both give you 10 points a game, but that's about it. Unless unless Ingram has a ball in his hands, he doesn't do much. Um, other He plays defense some sometimes, I guess you can say. He's a pretty good defender. I'd say Ingram's a good defender. Like Kuz has gotten better on that end, but not that he's not really there. Uh, Lonzo, to me, just the fact that he can impact the game in so many different ways, despite being like a last year a historically awful shooter, this year just not a great one, is like pretty meaningful to me. And I think that helps you on a team, especially with two superstars, where he can kind of make sure that the offense isn't getting gummed up, and he can keep the ball moving around and make sure that everybody's getting the touches that they want, and that everybody's getting the ball in good positions, like. And, you know, if his three-point shot just starts to come around a little bit, then all of a sudden he takes his game up another level, too. Yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that he lost the entire summer with an injury. He didn't have the time yep. Kuzma and Ingram did to work on their game. Uh, I think I think yep. a lot of the um, excitement about Lonzo is that they have so much they can work with to really um, build him up and improve. Um, do you see Kuzma? Kuzma's like I think he's twenty three, and Ingram. Yeah, he's twenty three. Ingram and Ingram's twenty one. Yeah, they're they're I think it's like six months apart in age, but yeah, they're both twenty one right now. Yeah, but I, I like Ingram's game, but he worked really hard, and you haven't really seen much improvement this season uh, so far. Maybe we can see some more. Um, don't think LeBron's going to be out too long, but he's played well. Maybe he can get some. Um, Get some momentum for towards the end of the season, but yeah, Lonzo's my guy too. Um, I know a lot of people talk bad about Lonzo because of his dad, but Lonzo seems like a great guy. He's, he says no. Lonzo is a, Lonzo is a very nice guy. Uh, in all of my interactions and experiences with him, Lonzo is a very nice guy. Like I think uh, he's very well liked around the Lakers organization, and you know, like I think I think it would be tough to trade him. There was a report this morning that like they were talking about him as kind of untouchable over the last few weeks, and like I would imagine that that changes if Anthony Davis is on the table because you just you go and get that done if you can. But like you know, that's not nothing that he had progressed to that level. Yeah, um, and I, honestly, I think if he hadn't had this injury, I think he would be either uh, first or second team all defense this year. He's played great defense. I, I, yeah, he's been phenomenal. Best perimeter defender on the roster, and he doesn't even like – he's not a really man-to-man defender necessarily, but he knows where to be at the right time. Team defense is um, his calling card, and he just he knows he just knows how to play basketball the right way. It's kind of like, I know a lot of the comparisons to Jason Kidd, um, but it's just really, it's true how he plays. It's, I, I always like watching Jason Kidd. I like his highlights, and he does the flashy stuff, but he also knows how to play. And Jason also struggled shooting in his first few years in the league. Um, and another thing I really liked about Lonzo is there was a report earlier this year that uh, uh, Magic and Rondo and him were all watching a film together, and I just really liked that. 
He had two great minds. Yeah, no, that wasn't even a report. Like Magic, they, they all came out and talked about that. That was uh, that was like they've publicly talked about how much, how helpful that was. And Lonzo just talked about how great it was to have a guy like Rondo to be able to pick his brain and to be able to pick the brain of Magic Johnson, like one of the most legendary point guards to ever play. Like I, I think uh, like Rob Palenka was saying that like he, he wishes that he could have sold tickets just to uh, just to go and listen to that. And like he probably would have sold out the building if uh, if he could have. Yeah. Um, then it's just awful that Lonzo had his recent injuries out four to six weeks with a severe, I think it was grade three, uh, ankle sprain. Ankle sprain, yeah, grade three ankle sprain. That's awful news. He's been, he started to really play good basketball. Um, it, he just knows how to play, and they, they really need that production. And Lonzo is the perfect fit towards LeBron. I was writing about it. Who, LeBron likes to dominate the ball. That's well known. But he can also, yep. and but Davis also needs the ball. Lonzo doesn't dominate the ball. National media talk talks about oh, Lonzo's not going to grow if he don't have the ball. He never, he hardly ever has the ball at, at UCLA. No, he's not. He's not a ball dominant player. He he's a guy that keeps. He's a ball mover. He's a guy that like finds the right neck space for the ball. And like he was also, but at the same time. Over the stretch while LeBron was out, he was getting a lot better at the traditional point guard things that we think of when we think like the term point guard. He was coming down, he was calling pick and rolls, he was directing sets, he was being vocal. He was like a lot of the times over early on in the season, Lonzo would like just kind of move up the court to the inbounds, like after a basket would just kind of get it. But Lonzo after rebounds is running to the ball and clapping for it. And that was like a change. And he was trying to be more of a vocal leader and talking. And he had talked about how important that was to him. And how much he had wanted to step up for his teammates and like fill that void as much as he could while they were missing vocal leaders like LeBron and Rondo. And like, that's a hard void to fill, but he was making progress on that front. And it is a bummer about his injury. He was like in the middle of, you know, obviously the best season of his career. He's only had two, but he was really starting to show some real growth. And I think that if he had kept been able to keep that up for another two weeks to a month or whatever, before getting hurt or like without getting hurt, then uh, I think you would have seen some of these kind of, ill-informed narratives on him starting to change a little bit. Yeah, And I, I wish he had more of the aggressive nature, kind of like his dad uh, and Lance on the Lakers. He Lance calls for the ball all the time. He likes to take the ball up the court. And another thing, yeah. Lonzo, uh, he got a lot of criticism because he doesn't really run the pick and roll. They don't call him a traditional point guard. But I've been really, really impressed with his pick and roll development this year. Uh, he's looked like he's really worked on that. He, he had a really nice connection with Zubots. And whenever we see the LeBron and Lonzo pick and roll, that's pretty nice to see as well. Um, yeah, no, it, uh, for sure. Yeah, and it just, um, hopefully he's not a part of the trade. And I'm excited to see what he's got uh, to add to his game in the future. Um, and now, talking about trades, the deadline is in 10 days, February 7th. Uh, there's a lot of players on one-year deals. That was a big emphasis for the front office this offseason. Lance, KCP, JaVale. I don't know if Tyson Chandler can be traded yet, um, but Beasley and Rondo are all on one-year deals. And There's been some reports coming out that the Lakers will be looking at shooters. What are you expecting yep. to happen at the deadline? 
I honestly, like, my gut feeling is that it's going to be a lot of smoke and no fire because I think that the Pelicans are going to end up, there's going to be a combination of they're upset that they feel like they're trying to be forced on short notice to trade Davis to the Lakers and, like, a co- and combine that with them wanting to wait and see if one of these other suitors can come up with a better deal once the offseason hits. Like, there's no guarantee that that happens, and then at some point you've blown that leverage play, and then maybe somebody ends up getting you against the wall that way. But I, I think at the same time, I just like, I don't think that the Lakers are going to be able to make a big move because there are so many complications with their parts. Like, obviously, like, like I said before, if they can package all those young guys and deal them for Anthony Davis, then you have to do that, even if it kind of it kind of kills your depth for right now. You have to do that. But outside of that, it's just hard to make a deal because if you don't want to include any of the young guys, you don't want to include any of the first round picks if you're just moving, you're looking for like a standard shooter or whatever. And then so in that case, you're trying to move Lance or like you probably aren't going to move Rondo because he's been really helpful and he's good insurance against Lonzo's injury. Like so you're trying to move Lance or Beasley or like how much does that really net you? And then if you're trying to move KCP, KCP is your best shooter right now or one of them. And like he also has a de facto no trade clause and he also has the same agent as LeBron. And so I think that for a lot of reasons, it's a tough trade deadline for the Lakers to do unless they're moving for a superstar like Davis. And hopefully Svi Mikalu can keep shooting the belt the way he has been recently. That'd be that'd be ideal if we could get Svi to knocking down the way. Did yeah, there's your shooter. Yeah. Yeah, there's your shooter. If he if he starts, he has a little. I don't want to say the yips because that sounds like I'm like psycho. Or I'm like putting some condition on. I don't know. I can't diagnose that. But like, he just seems to be seeing a ghost whenever he goes to the rim. Like, I think he's been blocked enough times now that every single time I was talking to Pete Zayas of uh, Laker Film Room last night at the game, we were sitting and watching it, and like I was saying to him, like I, I think he is like he hears the Jaws theme music when uh, when he's driving down the lane like he hears that shark coming to come and block the shot and even sometimes when it's not there and he's got to work on that confidence a little bit because like he doesn't show that tentativeness in the G League when he's lighting it up or when in summer league when he was killing it over the summer I think he's just he's a little nervous right now at the NBA level because he hasn't been able to immediately have success right away yeah and the other night hit some really hit a couple threes that looked really nice hopefully he can keep that up but if they do make the trade for Davis there's undoubtedly going to be some uh, other deals maybe that won't be as big, but uh, some other fillers that they're not going to have much, they're not going to have any players on the roster if they trade uh, the Godfather deal, as what they're calling it. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe Mellow comes. If they do that, they need another. I, I think Mello is. I think you will. If you see them make like a five for one Anthony Davis trade or five for two, I think it's almost a guarantee that we see Mello in a Lakers uniform because he's sitting out there. LeBron has made it very clear that he wants Mello on the Lakers, and so I think I, I to me, that's like almost a hundred percent chance if they make some type of uneven deal at the trade deadline that Mello ends up in the Lakers uniform. Yeah, and. Melo provides some value. I know a lot of fans aren't really want. I'm not a huge fan on it, but he. It's not like it's the worst thing ever. It's not like he's going to be playing 30 minutes or not. He's he'll come in. Yeah, I think. I think playing with LeBron, maybe he'll like he'll stay within the constraints of the type of player that he is now at age. I think he's like 34 now. Uh, I I think 
Mello, to me, like his biggest issue is that he can't really get out of his own way. He still thinks he's better than he is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you're seeing some decline from that. But at the same time, we're also seeing decline in him as a player. Like he's not as good as he thinks he is, but he's also maybe not as good as some people think he could be. Yeah. Like I, I think he's just showing some natural signs of aging and things like that. And so we'll see what happens with him if he ends up uh, like just ending up securing a buyout with the Bulls like after the trade deadline and ends up like coming over the Lakers once they make the five or six for one Anthony Davis trade and have some roster spots to fill. But if, if they don't have a no, I don't think that they're going to intentionally open a roster spot just to sign Melo. I think he could sign as a byproduct of them getting an open roster spot, but I don't think, I don't see them cutting anyone or making a deal just so they can have a spot for Melo. And if they trade, if they trade Beasley, that makes a lot of sense. He can fill the Beasley role, uh, bring about eight points a game. Both are isolation scores. Um, but I, I think a lot of it has been because of the system Melo's been. Um, they making him a spot-up shooter, and that's not Melo's game. Uh, he, he's about a 35% three-point shooter, which is okay, but he's not a volume catch and shoot three points. Well, but that's the problem is he, I don't know how much else he can do at this point. And so like, if he can't, if he can't play the spot up shooting role, like the Lakers aren't going to have him isolate for possessions and things like that. So I think like at some point you're getting diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. And then another thing with Melo, I, I know a lot of it will be because of LeBron and Melo um, have a good relationship, the banana boat. It, it'd be nice to, I'm sure they might do this as a favor to LeBron for coming, uh, kind of like the, how they signed KCP to the big deal. Um, that's to make LeBron's people happy. Maybe this is something that they could do. Or if, if, if Magic actually has interest, I, saw, I think there was an old tweet talking about how um, Magic was talking how um, Melo might lead the team to a championship. I think it was like 2012. When they had like a fifty, 54- it was twenty fourteen. Magic was Magic was congratulating um, was congratulating the Lakers on their pursuit of Carmelo Anthony, oh. which is uh, one of the funniest tweets I've ever seen, like unintentionally. But it was uh, that was pretty great. That was going around again when the Mellow rumors started to pop up again. People found like Magic's old Mellow tweets and were retweeting them. Um, talking about LeBron, it's been it's been a painful last sixteen games. Going to be seventeen tomorrow. He was ruled out for the game against the 76ers, but could be back Thursday against the Clippers. We'll see that game, hopefully. Uh, King James will be in action. The Lakers are 6-10 and 10 without him, better than some assumed, but I think the Lakers honestly would have made the playoffs or would have competed with the, the playoffs this year. They ran it back like they did uh, last year. But um, what do you th- what's been the – What's when the Lakers struggles without LeBron so far? Say that again. How how is how has this impacted the team with LeBron being out? Well, I think that what you're seeing is you're seeing a team that was constructed to succeed a lot like around in the orbit of LeBron having to play without LeBron. It's like, if you took like, like if, if planet earth, like, or like, you know, like one of the planets in the solar system just disappeared, it's moons would be flying all over the place. They wouldn't be like rotating anything anymore and all that stuff. Like you're seeing a similar effect with the Lakers where like the guy that they were supposed to orbit off of and that was supposed to create this gravitational pull for them is gone. And all of a sudden you're seeing a bunch of guys thrust into roles that they haven't been playing all year alongside you 
units that they've never played alongside. And then you have these like cascading injuries where now Kuzma's dealing with a hip injury and Lonzo's out for four to six weeks and Rondo just came back from a broken hand but had been out. And like all these, like Tyson Chandler's been in and out of the lineup. And so like you just have all these guys having to play more minutes in bigger roles and doing things that they weren't spending all of training camp learning to do. And you're seeing the growing pains of that. Like that's why there's a training camp and that's why teams like even an injury that may not seem like a huge deal to you that's why it affects them because they're not used to playing that way and especially when you have someone that's as ball dominant and just in general dominant as LeBron and who's a vocal leader like that and who takes so much control over everything that's happening on both ends of the floor like you're just gonna you're gonna suffer for that and the Lakers they fared better than the Cavaliers did when in games that LeBron missed but like at the same time this should never have been a team that was expected to be good I, I think we're like we're almost at the breaking point of how many games he can miss like I, I think if he's not back it seems like he's definitely going to be back by the all-star break but if he's not back by like the first game after the all-star break then like I don't know that we can consider it a shoe-in that the Lakers make the playoffs yeah but I still think they do make the playoffs I'm sure you do too yeah so do I to be clear so do I I just think that we're getting close to the point where it's no longer a guarantee yeah and it's been it's been a struggle, but I think the reason they brought in I think Rondo's the guy that they would have needed if they were gonna make if they're gonna win more games with LeBron out and he's been out the same amount of time as um LeBron has but a little well, he's been back the last two games now. Yeah, well it's and they, it showed how much they, they played a lot better. I know it's the Suns, but um the offense has been a much smoother and it's just really really glad to have him back. And it's just the injury bug. It's been our. It's been what's happened the last since twenty twelve thirteen when the Nat with Nash got injured and Howard missed some time and then uh, Kobe with the Achilles injury and then it seemed like every year they have a devastating injury. Maybe I don't. They didn't really have a bad. In, no, they did have a lot. They didn't have like a season ending, but they had uh, Lonzo and Ingram both miss like fifty games. Combines. Yeah, but Alonzo and Ingram missed uh, a lot of time last year, and so that like they dealt with some injury. I think that team could have flirted with a playoff spot last year. I don't think they would have made it, but they could have flirted with it a little bit more than they ultimately did yeah. uh, because injuries just kind of doomed them. And I think that if they ran it back this year and they resigned Lopez and Randall, I don't know if we bring back. Oh, maybe with the team before the trade deadline with Nance and Clarkson. I think that team could have. Maybe made the made the playoffs or went around forty six games or so because and most of the, I don't know how what the stat is but a, a, all of almost all of their games were like decided by like five points or less most of their games were- yeah and like that's that, that's where you know you see the value of a guy like LeBron in that like he's a guy that can take over during those stretches and like the Lakers just didn't have a guy like that last year and like it, it's it's like fashionable on Twitter to talk about how oh you should just have more ball movement whatever like NBA defenses just walk in over those last five minutes and sometimes all you're going to have is a contested mid-range jumper you're just going to have a bad isolation possession and you need a guy who can turn that, those lemons and lemonade and lebron is like one of the best in the league at that yeah and this team the team last year kind of reminds you how the nets are this year i think all of their games i think 30 of their games have been decided about five or less or in um crunch time is what it's considered uh it's that and they're but they're really winning a lot of their games <sighs> hate to see 
I love to see D'Angelo in a good position, but it pains me. I'm sure you love D'Angelo. Well, I was going to say, you just uh, by comparing that net, this Nets team to that Lakers team, you just like caused like involuntary pain in like every Lakers fan listening to this. It's like the uh, Adam Levine in the Dwight Howard jersey crying. Yeah, it's my pain on that. Yeah, but uh, there, uh, there's some people saying, uh, and I know this wouldn't happen, but it's kind of cool. Uh, the I think it was your site that posted the D'Angelo back in a Lakers uniform with the current uh, jerseys. Yes, it was. Uh, that was our our excellent graphics, uh, our excellent graphic design guy Grant Goldberg, yeah. that uh, for some reason decided to spend his Sunday morning photoshopping a player who, or sorry, Saturday morning, photoshopping a player who was already a Laker back into a Lakers jersey. I was uh, I was impressed with the commitment. <laughs> um, but um, do you think what it's, what's your prediction? Do you think LeBron's back? On Thursday? I think LeBron will probably be back on Thursday. Yeah, that's my guess. Uh, just based on the way that things are progressing now, I I think almost I I think he'll be back on Thursday, but if not, I think almost definitely by the Golden State game on Saturday. Yeah, and then we're not in the standings right now. And they're not completely out of it. There's just two games back from eighth and three and a half from fifth place with the Rockets. And... Yeah, they've treaded water just well enough to be in the hunt when LeBron comes back, if he comes back soon. Yeah, and oh, that the Rockets' loss was so painful. It's a 22-point lead, and then they blow it. Oh, my gosh. Lonzo's injury. That, that's probably the hardest I've took a, a game in the last few years with the Lakers. That, that, was, that was painful. Yeah, that was just a gut punch on a lot of levels for like any Lakers fan watching that, I think. Yeah, and, and one last thing. What's your prediction? How far do the Lakers go this year? Um, at this point, I I don't think that they can go beyond. I think the second round is like a wild success story, considering everything that they've dealt with. I'm not a hundred percent confident they can even go beyond the first round, just because I think that when you're a team that's this banged up, that stuff. Even if you have guys coming back, it just accumulates, and you just have guys that are worn down. They aren't at a hundred percent. Like we're seeing that with Josh Hart dealing with tendonitis now and all that stuff, like just from being forced into larger roles than they were ready for, and or than their body was used to playing and so like i just think that like it, it'll depend on matchups but i think the second round is like a phenomenal success story I, I think right now i'll predict like playoffs and then like beyond that i i'm not sure how much noise they can make like the the one thing that you have going for you is if lebron is back and healthy then he can almost win you around by himself we saw that three times last year when he was in Cleveland that he just goes to a complete other level when the playoffs are around. But this is going to be the first time we've seen him after a, you know, like 17 to 20 game absence due to a groin injury. And so is he still going to have that extra gear to shift into? I don't know. Like a lot of people have um, made fools out of themselves doubting him. So I might be about to join them, but like, I'm not, as confident in the team. I think before all the injuries, I was pretty confident this team was going to be like, like a, at the very least a competitive second round series, but probably like Western conference finals, depending on like how the seating shook out and when they met the Warriors. And if I think if LeBron gets back to full strength, I think they can still maybe get to the Western conference finals. If they, if they, they get healthy for playoff time, I think that's a real possibility. Um, and how far do you think that's the biggest though? Yeah. It is, and what, what's your prediction if they get if they land Davis? Uh, if they land Davis, then that's interesting because we're almost talking about LeBron and Davis and like a two K create player team because I don't even know who they have 
like beyond those guys? Is it like LeBron Davis, Lance Stevenson, KCP, Melo? Like, I don't know. Is Zeus still around? Is it JaVale and Tyson? Like, I don't know. Like, it, it's interesting for sure. Uh, I, I think uh, that team is probably like pretty much guaranteed to go to the second round just because I think LeBron and Anthony Davis, when you, like, if it's you, me, and like someone else at my site playing as the th- other three guys, I think LeBron and Anthony Davis are good enough to win you a round if they're a full strength. But um, the, the second round, even making it beyond the second round, depending on matchups, would still be tough, I think, for that team just because of the lack of depth and like not an entire offseason to like surround them with complementary players. So it's pretty much, I think it's pretty much, if they get Davis, it's uh, the Pelicans trade Drew Holiday for LeBron James. Um, but let's okay. Let's assume that it's the trade that Brad Turner reported. Uh, Lonzo, Kuz, Zubats, and a first. How does that? How far do they go with Melo too? Uh, with Melo too, I, at that point, like I, I don't know that Ingram moves the needle on that that much because I don't know how effective he'd be alongside LeBron and Davis. So for me, that doesn't change it that much. I'd I'd rather have Lonzo. I, I'd be fine with giving up Ingram and Kuz. So would I. If it was me, I would pre- I would prefer to keep Lonzo as well. I think we should. I think the Lakers need to try and say that Lavar's a Lavar's not a big uh, distraction and Ingram's real quiet. Well, I was saying that on our podcast today. Like this is the time where Lavar, the Lakers need Lavar to go make some noise. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, Harrison, thanks again for coming on. This is really fun to talk to you. I shared before the show that um, you, your podcast is the reason I did my podcast. So. Uh, thank you again for coming on. I love talking Lakers. Yeah, man. Anytime. I'm I'm glad that uh, my podcast. I'm just glad that there are people that listen to our podcast. So the fact that like you said all those nice things, I really appreciate that. And like I'm glad that uh, you know our podcast was able to make a difference for someone. That's really cool. And tell them again where they can listen to your podcast. So you can, if you just search Silver Screen and Roll on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you listen to podcasts, Silver Screen and Roll, we have uh, right now four days a week. We're working on getting a Monday show going. And um, you get, you just search Silver Screen and Roll. There's different hosts every day of the week, so, but you get like a long episode talking about all the latest stories around the Lakers and you can get all of your news from there. So uh, yeah, I think it's, it's just Silver Screen and Roll. You can follow us on Twitter at LakersFBN. We have a Silver Screen and Roll Facebook page and Instagram page. So, um, pretty much, and then silverscreenroll.com if you want to visit the website and read stuff that myself and then my very talented writing staff are writing. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's, I think that about sums it up. I'm at HM Fagan on Twitter. And I, I, I totally recommend the blog. I, I read their articles every single day. Great work. Love, love reading your stuff. You can check out all of our episodes on our website, www.balltalkpod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all our social media outlets. Thank you.